Well, hello there. Welcome to Cavalcade. Knock, knock. Knock, knock. Two ducks, a horse, and an orangutan. And the other four-letter words were taken. You mean, <laughs> these aren't your cats. Why did I have egg on my fingers? If I had to guess, I'd say two fingers. I can explain. Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris. You know what? Who comes to shit? What does it take to change a life? I did the chicken. These aren't your cats. Is this supposed to burn? Cavalcade is brought to you by Harbor Repertory Theater. May I have your attention, please? My name hello, is Keith Bridges. Uh, 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 hello. Um, uh, 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 thank you. Excuse me. Yes, you there. Hello, you. Yes, you. Yes, you. Your attention. My name is Wycroft J. Twishrip from the National Bureau of Comedy and Humor. I am vice president of puns, quips, quibbles, equivoque, double entendre, paranomasia, calimbor, and fart jokes. You may know me from any one of my many published treatises on the subject of humor. For instance, why not kill the clown? Wycroft J. Twistrip considers the cost and value of humor in Western culture. Or perhaps you've read Musings on the Nature of the Funny and the Dark, Wycroft J. Twistrip and the Phenom of Laughing at Others' Pain. Or my most recent work, Wycroft J. Twistrip on the Inherent Humor of the Inquisition. Oh, yeah, that's my favorite. Now to the issue at hand. This little show of yours. Cavalcade, Cavalcade, has recently come to our attention. It is clear that you are not abiding by the standards or regulations of our office. Ah, uh, note that in Form 2469, your application for your license to be humorous, funny, or silly, Section 3, Question 63, you indicated that the use of existential exaggerations, observational sarcasm, ironic banter, or silly words will be limited to less than 25% of your total content. You are clearly closer to 32 or 33%. Unacceptable. And also, in Form Y789, the Aesthetic Balance of Content Index, you listed both variety and unknown at 22%, satire and mockery at 42%, and rude noises at 17%. Of course, anyone who understands even the basic semiotics of comedy knows this ratio is simply not funny and can never be funny. So I am here to offer the most stringent of warnings to you, the creators and producers of this so-called entertainment, that unless you conform more fully to the conventions of modern appropriate comedy and the terms of your current humor license, it will result in immediate disciplinary action by my office. You may consider this show on comedy probation until further notice. Now, I have time for a question or two. Please identify yourself and make sure you phrase your question in the third person imperative tense. Yes, uh, you there. Um, is your name hyphenated? Uh, Wycroft? No, of course not. No, I mean Twitsit, or Twip, Twit, Twit, Titswipe. Uh, let me stop right there. I suspect you are trying to make a very unfunny aside by mispronouncing my name on purpose. And so I refuse to answer, but let me just say, that is the kind of ill use of your license that has landed you in this probationary state. Be careful. We will be watching you, or listening to you in this case. Any other questions? Uh, yes. Uh, you. There. You. Me? Yes. Me? No. Me? No, no. You. Me? No, you. Me? Yes. Me? You. Uh, yeah. Uh, Keith Bridges here. Oh, it's you. Yeah, well, 
Sorry, you don't seem to like the show. Dislike is hardly the word. There is no word in the English language to describe the depth and breadth of my negative opinions about this show, quote unquote. In fact, I had to turn to the German language to find a word to fully express my feelings of your work here. But unfortunately, that is a curse word and I choose not to use it. Wow. And your question? Oh, right. Um, well, is there anything we can do? Any way we can get off probation? As you must be aware, mine is an elected position. And as it turns out, I am running for re-election. So if you would like to do me a favor and make a donation to my campaign fund, I am sure we can find a way to work something out. You know, commute your probation as it were. Oh, well, we don't have any money to donate. I'm sorry. Well, then I suggest you start being funny. And with the election coming up next week, I have just one question for you. Can you really trust democracy with something as unreliable as voting? It's just writing down names on a piece of paper. My opponent, bureaucrat Dean Peterson, loves paperwork. But if it's so important, why do you even need to write it down? Now, our town is blessed with the highest body mass index in the nation. And since we have the most capita per capita, that means more voting from home. And that means mail-in votes. And as I always say, mail is like science, you just can't trust it. So remember to vote for me, Billy Dunsworth, to be your mayor again, because we know that's what you want in your heart, no matter what it says on paper. I'm Billy Dunsworth, and I approve the hell out of this message. In the far reaches of northern Minnesota, a hardier breed of man abandons family and all responsibility to fish on a frozen lake for hours on end. They are the ice holes. <laughs> Build it wide, build it tall, now we've got ourselves a wall. Build it wide, build it tall, now we've got ourselves a wall. Hey, Lance, Lance, who's that over there? Looks like Canadian spies. I think those are kids playing hockey. Or a group of Canadian Special Forces midgets. Yeah, you're right. It's probably a group of highly trained, tactically capable adult little people disguised as young boys playing hockey sent by the provincial government or even the prime minister to keep tabs on Ishqua, Minnesota, population 427. That's what I'm saying. Look out, Puck. We're under attack. Kurt, weren't you a goalie? Get out there and stop him. I don't have my pads. Some minute man you are. They're coming over. Sorry about that, mister. Can we have our puck back? Who sent you? Well, Jerry said I should get it because I know the most Americans. Let me talk to Jerry. Come over, guys. You guys building a snow fort or something? It's a wall. Keep you Canucks on the up and up. Well, it's not very big. It will be. You want some help, eh? With the wall? Yeah, we'll help you. You have any extra shovels? Joe, did you bring any spare shovels? Sure. Let me get them out of my truck. You're not charging for them, right? These are on loan from the bait shop. My father didn't build that shop by giving away free shovels and shiners. 
Take it out of the labor budget. Looks like you've got some illegals you can stiff now. Well, you don't have to pay us anything. We like shoveling. Our parents don't let us build forts anymore. They say snow forts are how boys practice imperialist, jingoistic nationalism and grow up to be war criminals, eh? Whatever. You can shovel, but it's a wall, not a fort. But if it was a fort, you could put up turrets every 40 meters or so, maybe a garrison behind it with a little fire pit to stay warm. Hey, you could put you could put like a big gate over here if you wanted, about two meters wide, so two men can hold it shoulder to shoulder against a superior force, hey, and be relieved from the garrison behind and covered by the turrets above. Well, yeah, obviously. We, we wouldn't build this thing without a garrison. No point in building a wall you're not protecting. But we do it in yards. The same measurement God and Abraham Lincoln used. Didn't God make all his blueprints in cubits? Where's Joe? He's laying on the ground. Joe! So... You're saying it doesn't look good. Well, he's suffered a very serious heart attack, and he's no longer breathing or has a pulse. So he's dead then? Yes. You might want to practice this before you tell his family. I'm just a traveling nurse. I'm not supposed to do this type of thing. I didn't think I'd end up in some town with no doctor, full of old conservative men who grew up on a diet of saturated fat and Miller Lite, doing hard labor in sub-zero weather. This guy will just be the first of many. I'll tell Darlene. I'm sure she'd rather hear it from me. She would rather hear that her father's dead from the guy who she recently banned from his bait shop? This is her dad? The bait shop girl with the scar? You're the girl we met fishing. I knew you looked familiar. So, when I tell Darlene, I can pass some paperwork or whatever you might have along and you put your phone number or whatever on it. Are you trying to ask me for my phone number without actually asking me for it right after I helplessly watched a man die? No, no, of course not. That would be really, um... Ill-timed? Stupid? Cowardly? Unattractive? Exactly. Just trying to help my friend, Darlene. Who you have a crush on. Well, it's complicated. If you have a way to contact Mr. Peterson's next of kin, please share it with the front desk on your way out. Otherwise, let Darlene know she can come anytime to identify her father. It's him, all right. We're sure of it. Unless the Canadian slipped a spy in, we should check his mustache for syrup residue. It's a formality, Kurt. Legally, Darlene has to do it. Let's, let's go. I'll see you around, Beth. Yeah, see you next time you bring me a dead guy. Well, it was worth a shot. Did you ever hear about the goalie so good that he could prevent himself from scoring? Nope. Yeah, I didn't think so. Thank you all for making the drive to Ishqua, Joe, Pat, Les, and for joining us, Darlene. First, I'd like to give all four of you my condolences on the passing of your father. Joe Peterson Jr. was a good man, and my friend, and I know that he will be dearly missed. Now, it may seem unusual that there was no official will, 
but I was his friend, and my name is Will, and he left instructions for the distribution of his estate with me. So as long as you agree to abide by them, I believe legally we can move forward. That sounds like Dad. <laughs> I'll interpret that as confirmation and proceed. First on our list of 450 items is his collection of video-recorded episodes of America's Funniest Home Videos, October 93 through November 96. You have all 458 items memorized? Well, your father and I discussed this every day over coffee and breakfast at the cafe. How long did that take? It was nice to spend mornings with a friend. One day you'll be retired too. Now, the VHS tapes are to be divided equally among the survivors, Darlene, Joe, Pat, and Les. The tapes with the gold star stickers on the labels have the quote, best crotch shots, unquote, and should go to Pat, who Joe knew would be most pleased by this. <sighs> Item two of 458, your father's special edition Blu-ray of Police Academy 2, colon, their first assignment, signed by Steve Gutenberg and Bobcat Goldthwaite, shall go to Les, who has always been a supporter of the police, provided, of course, that Les has posted a profile picture or status update on Facebook, indicating that blue lives matter sometime in the last three months. Les, can you verify your support for Blue Lives Matter? Oh. Item three. The broken whiskey bottle Joe used to defend Ishkawa during the local tourist brawl of 68. The bottle will go to Joe, provided it is preserved and the blood is not washed off. Joe, do you agree to keep the bottle in its current condition? Well, I will take your silence as an assent. Uh, item four. This set of celebratory Trail of Tears shot glasses. because he was aware of Darlene's deviative septum. Which brings us to our final item. The main position to be distributed is the Peterson and Sons Bait Shop. I will here recite Joe's exact words on the topic. Les, Joe, and Pat, my three strong, broad-shouldered, capable daughters. I know that growing up as my children was not easy for you. I always wanted boys, and I was very clear and vocal about that. My hope is that I'd turn one of you manly enough to take over Peterson and Sons Bait Shop and honor your grandfather's memory. Darlene, I gave you a girl's name to finally shut your mother up. I never anticipated how this might drive all of us and the four of you apart. I worried that Darlene might feel like she wouldn't fit in and try to nickname her Daryl, but after being cut off from sexual relations by her mother for four years, I relented. To my surprise, Les, Pat, and Joe, you left town, and Darlene took over the shop. As an honorable man, I should leave the shop to Darlene, who has managed it capably for years, generating enough income to support her and her four children, as well as me and my retirement. However, since I'm dead, this is the one time you will all have to actually do what I say, and I say that everyone gets a shot. My daughter shall compete for ownership of the shop in feats of strength, frugality, and pain tolerance to be conducted within one week of my funeral. Are you shitting me? Well, I'll uh, leave you gals to discuss. Do you even want the shop? Not really, no. I mean, we talked it over on the way up and we hate that shop almost as much as we hated Dad. He was a dick, and we're glad he's gone. We'll be happy to be rid of the thing. Yeah, I mean, he was kind of a dick. Well, I'm sorry that he treated me differently than the rest of you. 
You know, if I'd had it my way, it would have rather been Daryl. Well, I suppose we still have to do the stupid feats of whatever. But if you don't feel like competing, that's fine with me. So whoever wins it, just sell the thing and we split the profits? This was Ice Holes, Joe Peterson Jr.'s Funeral, written by Zachary Olson and Robert Burrill. Performed by Robert Burrill, Keith Bridges, Zachary Olson, James Stanley, Brian Miller, Elise Cole, and yours truly, Raina Kay. Directed by Robert Burrill. As my parents got older, I was often amazed by the matter-of-fact way they seemed to adapt to major health conditions that I thought they should approach a bit more seriously. At 76, my father had the beginnings of both Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, so he trembled quite a bit in his hands and when he walked, and he would sometimes start to do something like cook, then decide to do something else and forget all about whatever he was cooking. My mother was also beginning to experience some memory issues, which would later become severe, but at that point, she was mainly just telling me the same stories every time I called. I called the house one Sunday to see how things were going, and my mother said, Did I tell you your father shot a deer? Now, my father had been an avid hunter his entire life. There were tons of hunting stories from over the years, and I assumed she was going to tell me one of those again. So I said, He shot a lot of deer in his life, Mom. And she says, no, I mean last week. And I'm like, what? Yeah, she said, he shot a deer last week, a six-point buck. I said, what is he doing going out in the woods by himself like that? Weren't you worried? And Mom's like, no, he had a gun. That just makes it worse. I'm sitting there trying to imagine how this scenario of my fragile father bagging a deer was even possible. Was there like a field of deer from one horizon to the other packed so closely together that my father couldn't help but hit one? Or was there just this one really nervous deer that kept anxiously shuffling left and right like a kid who has to go to the bathroom in perfect sync with the gun moving from side to side in my dad's trembling hands? My mom said, You know, it took him forever to drag that thing back to the car. A six-point buck is heavy. Plus, he forgot where he parked. I said, is he all right? And Mom's like, oh, yeah, he's as happy as a clam. He's in the kitchen right now eating up some venison stew for dinner. And I said, well, can I talk to him? She's like, yeah. Oh, you know what? No, you can't. I can see him through the window. He wandered out the backyard, left that stove on again. One day he's going to burn this house down. Okay, Mom. Good talk. Six Point Buck, written and performed by Mario Baldessari. I'm Dean Peterson, and with the election so close you can taste it like a hot dog at a ball game, 
It's a shame Billy Dunsworth has cast doubt on the reliability of mail-in voting. There is nothing wrong with the mail in this town. Heck, the mail is so reliable, it's how Billy got served with two of his divorces. If his wives can trust the mailman to end it with Billy, the voters can trust him to end it with Billy, too. There's nothing wrong with paper. In fact, it's the traditional gift for a one-year wedding anniversary, no matter which wife you're on. In Billy's case, I think four now. Hard to keep count. But it's easy to keep count of mailed-in ballots. I'm Dean Peterson, and if you leave the dogs alone, they'll leave you alone. Hi, Keith Bridges here again. Before we finish up, I wanted to ask, if you are willing and able, please help us out with a donation. Anything you can do will make a difference. Just go to cavalcadepodcast.com and click on the button that says, please support the show. Your support is what will keep the show going. Thanks a lot. stock the shelves in the dark. They're worried about money. But they've been busier than ever. Yeah, but who knows what it's going to be like in six months, a year. But what if there's no vaccine? There's going to be a vaccine. You sure about that? No. I can't believe how fast everything's changed. Yeah, no kidding. Can you hold the flashlight up a little higher for me? How's this? Perfect. Thanks. You know, I never really noticed until today how many different kinds of salsa there are in this world. Kind of a weird thing to notice considering everything that's going on, but it sort of blew my mind. You know what else is mind-blowing? What's that? That the tune to Twinkle Twinkle is the exact same as the ABC song. No, it isn't. Yeah, it is. Sing it. Twinkle, twinkle. A, B, C, D. Oh, hey. Yeah, I guess it is. You huh. know what else is interesting? What? Those are both the same tune as Baba Black Sheep. Okay, no, that one's definitely not. Baba Black Sheep, have you any wool? Whoa, how have I gotten this far in life without ever realizing that? Uh, guess you just aren't as observant as I am. All right, well, now that you've dropped that moment of mind-bending observation on me, what else do we have left to stock before we can get out of here? Just toilet paper. Oh, thank God the toilet paper finally came in. Yeah, people are acting like it's the end of the world if they have to wet down a washcloth and wipe with that. Oh, ew, gross. What? It's better than using your hands. It's nasty. Just thinking about that makes me want to go for the hand sanitizer. You don't wash your hands after you poop? No, but I, I totally do. Then why'd you say go for the hand sanitizer and not go wash your hands? Because I was... You know what I mean. Do I, though? Does anyone ever actually know what you mean? Are you really getting all philosophical on me now? Well, if not now, then when? I mean, hasn't this crazy pandemic and all the shutdowns started to make you think about your life and your dreams? And like, what if you die? And what if there really isn't a vaccine? And then, I don't know about you, but there's all this stuff I've wanted to do in my life and I've never done it. 
and now I may get sick and die and then I've died without actually having done anything I've ever really wanted to do? I mean, all I've been doing with my life is what I have to do or what everyone else is expected of me. Okay. First, I'm going to need you to take a deep breath. Good. And second, I'm going to need you to hold that flashlight still. Oh, sorry. No worries. But you do know that you're going to, in all likelihood, be okay, right? Vaccine or no? Yeah, I do. It might be really rough there for a while, but we just do our best. And I mean, that's all we can do. I know. Sometimes I just get so overwhelmed with everything. Same. So what all do you want to do in your life that you haven't? I don't know. Lots of things. Like? I don't know. Like, go see the silverback gorillas in Uganda. Go skydiving. Learn to ski. Single-handedly shut down every skeezy corporation that poisons our air and water. Finally find a pair of women's jeans that look good on me and have real pockets. Run for president and win. Tell Lyra I'm madly in love with her and become a bouncer at a super elite nightclub. You really want to be a bouncer? Yeah, why? You don't think you're just a little too small? I can be very intimidating when I have to be. Oh, I have no doubt. Let me see. Ooh. Hey, boy. What's up? Wow, that's, that's pretty good. And I didn't know you had a thing for Lyra. Yeah, but you cannot tell her that. You know, considering how intimidating you can be, I... I wouldn't dare. But why haven't you told her? I don't think she's interested. I think you might be surprised. Why? Has she said something about me? No, I really shouldn't say either way. Malcolm, now is not the time to mess with me. Has she told you that she likes me? You haven't noticed that she's been on every single one of your Tuesday-Thursday shifts for the past three months? Well, yeah, but I just thought that was a coincidence. Well, guess you just aren't as observant as I am. Malcolm, does Lever like me or not? Why don't you call her and find out for yourself? Nope. Uh-uh. Absolutely not. I'll call her for you. Don't you dare. Oh, hey, I just remembered. There's a box of flashlights next to the cleaning supplies. We need to put those out. Can you go grab that for me, please? Then you'll be left in the dark. Oh, I'll be fine. I'll just use the flashlight on my phone. See? Fine. But you better not call her. Then you'd better hurry and go get the flashlights. You are so not funny. And I am so not joking. Hey, Lyra. Yeah, it's me. Rosie's into you. Yeah, seriously. Said if she died, she'd regret not telling you how in love she is with you. No, I, I swear I'm telling the truth. That's word for word exactly what she said. Who are you talking to? Hey, Lyra. You're on speaker with me and Rosie. Hey, Rosie. Oh, my God. What? Just say hi. Hello? You still there? Hey, Lyra. Uh, um, uh, did you notice that the tune to Twinkle Twinkle is the same tune as the ABC song? Twinkle Twinkle, ABC, oh yeah, hey, oh, and ba ba 
Uh, black sheep is the same too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> cool. Yeah, cool. You're gonna pay for this? You're gonna make a great bouncer one day. So, um, I know we have to stay away from people and all that, but I was wondering, maybe when you get off of work, you, if you aren't too tired and all, I could, like, call you or we do, I don't know, Zoom or something. <laughs> you know, if you're up for it. Uh, y yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Well, cool. That'd be great. <laughs> then I'll talk to you later. Yeah, cool. Call you when I get home. See you then. That was so not okay. You're welcome. Thank you. So, can we hurry this up? I got a date with Lyra. <laughs> Wait, really? Since when? How did that happen? Shut up. You're amazing. Oh, the flashlight up a little higher for me? There? Little higher. There? How about you try up above the world so high? Ha ha ha. And we're done. Some shelves are still empty, but I think we're going to be okay. Alright, let's get out of here. Twinkle Twinkle ABC by Tiffa Foster Performed by Chris Sason, Neil Patrick Peterson, and Nadia Coretto. Cavalcade is created by artists all over the U.S. and produced in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis-St. Paul by Harbor Repertory Theater. Harbor Rep is Mario Baldessari, Robert Burrill, Rachel Bridges, Patrick Coyle, Tiffa Foster, Raina Kay, Brian Miller, Zachary Olson, Neil Patrick Peterson, James Utt, and me, Keith Bridges. When you have a minute, visit our website at cavalcadepodcast.net. You can find out more about us, donate to support the show, subscribe or, I don't know, something. Or maybe just leave us a note. We'd love to hear from you. Once again, thanks for listening. Thank you.